Hey there, welcome to uh, Cold Turkey Podcast. This week I'm, in, I'm with Jeshua and uh, actually I made a joke by the end of our conversation where, you know, like I wasn't quite surprised that he was going through kind of a quote-unquote midlife crisis since, you know, like at such a young age he went through so many obstacles. So, um, again, no surprise that, you know, by the time he's at university, which he is right now, uh, he's asking himself some life existing questions and, you know, like all that type of stuff. But it was an exciting roller coaster ride to actually sit with him. And uh, I enjoyed every minute of our chat. Um, I'm going to leave you with, you know, uh, share and talk about the podcast on any platform that you guys are listening to. And don't don't forget to actually write a review, make a comment um, and, you know, like uh, make the podcast known and uh, without further ado i'm gonna leave you with jeshua enjoy hey hi jeshua how you doing Hey, doing great. How are you? Good. So you're in Oregon, right? I am in Missouri. Does my does the phone say that I'm in Oregon? Uh, great question, but it, oh, sorry. It's someone else that I'm recording the podcast in a few days that actually is from Oregon. So you're, you're in Missouri and you were telling me that you were in a, you're on campus. So you're, you're, you're at the university? Yes. So I'm a, I'm a junior right now working on um my bachelor's in secondary English education. So I'll be teaching high school English class this year. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, so Joshua, just, you know, like, as I explained, you know, like, so pretty much tell me where does all of this starts? Well, I think that throughout my life, my, my main problem, and this is something that I didn't realize until later, but from childhood, I had a really bad habit of taking people in situations for granted. Uh, when I was a young child, my, I have a younger brother. Um, our parents both struggled with uh, substance abuse and kind of ran with, with the wrong crowd, had us both pretty young. Um, my mom, when I was about maybe four or five, was in a really bad uh, car accident. And so I was, at that point, uh, my brother and I were kind of transferred out of their house to, to live with our great grandparents. Um, so we got to build a really good relationship with them. And um, I was kind of, I didn't really know what was going on with my mom during that time. But I later learned that, you know, she was told that she was never going to walk or talk again. And, and miraculously over the course of a few months, she was back on her feet and seemed to be doing fine. She had some, um, some minor brain damage that still kind of, has an impact on her uh, decisions and, and the way she processes things today. Um, but it's not anywhere near as bad as it was at the time. We kind of, we, we retaught her her colors by playing like the board game Candyland because the only color she could remember uh, was purple. But I didn't realize, the only reason I bring that, that story up is because I didn't realize until probably a year or two ago how incredible that is and, and how thankful I should be uh, for my mom you know, having made it out of that alive and in a better condition than anyone expected her to be. And then when we were staying with my great-grandparents, which even after my mom recovered, um, because of the persisting substance abuse problems that and relationship issues that her and my dad had, um, we were kind of living at my grandparents off and on. Um, my brother 
less often than I. Um, Your brother was older was older than you or younger than you? Younger. Okay. Younger than me. He was he's about three years younger than me and he would usually stay at um at like a family friend's house whenever there were any uh, problems at home or uh when my whenever my dad would uh would get arrested um or anything like that. What were they, I would stay at my What were they there. using? The works, man. My my uh mostly methamphetamine they they had um like a lab in the basement that had been seized i have a i have a scar on my forehead that i didn't i didn't know where it had come from until a year ago my dad told me that it uh they were arguing downstairs in the basement in their kind of makeshift lab they had when i was uh maybe six or seven i came downstairs and walked in on them arguing and one of them threw a glass bottle against the wall and the glass shattered and, and one of the pieces um hit me, hit me in the face. So that, that was the main thing. Uh, and then my dad, most of his actual legal trouble was from, uh, marijuana. So he would drive the nearest big city from where I'm at is St. Louis. So he would drive about two hours, uh, pick up several pounds, you know, stuff it all in his trunk and then drive it to town to deliver it to someone who was selling it, uh, locally here. So whenever he got into trouble, it was mostly for that. I don't know. I don't think either of them got into too much trouble over, Uh, some of the more extreme stuff that they were doing, I think they kind of that that managed to kind of stay under the radar. So you were witness to uh, all of that, or or they they kept it pretty much under, you know, like under the radar for you as you as know, a young kid. I'm not sure because there are things that I remember, and there are things that I've been told that I was witness to that I probably should remember because I was old enough to, but that have kind of slipped my memory. Um, So I'm not sure how much I actually witnessed. Uh, I've seen both of my both of my parents when they are high, um, yeah. both when I was you know a young child and then also as as a teenager. Um, but Did I don't I don't know how much I actually witnessed uh, any of the like like the making process or my dad you know making deliveries or anything like that. Do you know? Um, when if, my, just just a quick question. Do you know if you know like because obviously you're like as a young kid and then further down the line when you started school but do you remember like playing outside and it was kind of a, of a known thing you know like by by some of your peer friends and you know do, do do you have any memories of that it was definitely known in my family and i i had some interesting conversations with other kids at school um and and, and with with my like with my brother and with other kids in the family um where It's interesting. We talked a little bit uh, before the podcast even about how different people have different perceptions of reality. And I didn't realize how weird my situation was in terms of my parents' very bad fights, the fact that they would be gone sometimes for a, a full day or a couple of days and I wouldn't know where they were or that my dad would <laughs> go off to college, quote unquote, uh, for a couple of months at a time and then come back. You know, um, there were little things like that, that, that over time, as, as I got to be more, a more social child, um, I realized were kind of out of place and didn't seem to line up with, uh, with all the other kids that I knew were experiencing. And so, um, how do you, and, and the other thing is that my guess is that money was pretty much going all that money was, you know, like, the, like the household money was going there, right. You know, like in, in drug use. So how, oh, absolutely. So, so were you considered as poor child or, you know, like malnourished and all that stuff? You know, like, do you, do you, do you have memories of that? 
Now, this is where the great-grandparents kind of come into play. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my parents were both very terrible with money. Uh, I think even without the substance abuse, that's just, it was just kind of their personality. Um, but the substance abuse sure didn't, didn't help with For that sure. because everything they did make was funneled back into that. When I was living at my uh, great-grandparents' house, um, when I was with them, they knew that my parents were very poor, so they would kind of um, let me have free free reign as a small child, which was bad in a, in kind of a different way. Um, to today, uh, I kind of struggle in my relationship with with food and, and things like that because when I was at my grandparents' house, they would encourage me to eat as much as possible because they knew what the situation was like um, at home. So I, I very quickly actually became overweight. Um, from the, from those experiences, and that they kind of balanced out the uh, the complete lack of, of guidance and, and food that was at home. Was there um, like an interaction to kind of rewarding through food and you know that kind of stuff? Yes and no. I think it was I think it was mostly the, the protection aspect of it. They wanted to make sure that I had enough to eat, so they would kind yeah. of encourage me uh, to eat a whole pizza or something else ridiculous like that. Um, I don't think there was ever too much of a like a rewarding with food. It was it was more of a uh, letting me eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted and encouraging me to eat probably even more than that um, because they knew what things were like at home. Yeah, and uh, I, I went through some similar experiences when I was you know at home with my parents or just with my mom or, or just with my dad. Um, one of the other things I noticed that didn't really seem to match up with the other kids was that. You know, we would get reading assignments or uh, spelling assignments that we had to do at home. We would get homework, and and I didn't have anywhere to, to do them or, or anyone to do them with. And that was kind of a um, now, now I, I tutor children who are kind of in a in a similar situation um, because I understand where they're coming from. They don't have a table at home to sit and do their homework on. They don't have someone to you know sit and be, and be read to and help them work through the words and stuff. There was one project where we had a. Uh, I think it was for a math class and we were learning multiplication and um, we had this like paper board game that we had to play with someone. Um, and then we would like record our scores and the fact that we played it on a piece of paper and the parent would sign and say that they played it with us. And I would write my own name and then put a little paw print um, and write Tibbs, which was my cat's name because I didn't have anyone to play it with me. So I would, I would pretend that I played the board game with my cat and eventually my teacher had had enough of that. And and my guess is that you kind of become a loner or a, you know like someone that's um, excluded from from peer groups and and all that, right? Yes, and the peer groups that I had access to because of the background that I knew weren't exactly healthy peer groups. So so it wasn't necessarily a, a terrible thing that that happened. It, it probably could have gotten worse, um, but I was always kind of content. Uh, staying quiet, keeping my head down, and and you know, kind of making up my own things, playing uh, by myself, just doodling in the corner. Um, when I was younger, uh, when I was in middle school and high school, um, you know, in middle school, uh, at least in, in like the culture of this area, everyone wants to be different, very different, because they want to express themselves. They feel like they're they're teenagers now. They should have uh, that freedom. So I kind of had the opposite happen uh, once I got to that level. And then in high school, it kind of got progressively, progressively worse. Because um, when I was in middle school, I suddenly, because I was so different, because I was the loner kid, I had a lot of uh, new friends uh, who were mostly 
you know, were mostly girls my age. And then in high school, um, that, that kind of grew into an entirely different monster, uh, where suddenly I was, um, having, having parties and kind of following in the footsteps of what I imagine my parents were doing, uh, when they were younger. And so do you become averse to drug use, uh, young, you know, like, do, do you make that kind of equation in your mind where, you know, like you see that as the quote unquote devil? There were a couple of different things that went through my mind uh, regarding drug use when I was a kid. I, I do remember in fifth grade, um, we had, there was an assignment near the end of the year where each student was to write an essay speaking out against drug use. Well, it could be against even cigarettes or alcohol or some kind of illegal drug. And then um, whoever had the best essay it was going to be graded by some officials in the school. And they oh, shit. Some kind you're going to win that and, one. You're going to win that one. Oh, I got. I didn't win, and I was so disappointed because I mine was the realest essay. I, I, I was talking about my personal life and everything, and maybe it was sent me to a counselor. I didn't get the reward. Um, so I was. So I, I remember that. Um, but at the same time, because of my my parents' situation, uh, everyone in the family who who was doing better than them, kind of from a distance, would reach out to me uh, pitifully, and 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 would kind of remind me constantly that I, that I was not to be like, like my parents. Um, and whenever I made any kind of mistake at all, the immediate response was you're better than this, or, or you know better than this. And my thought in response was always, well, apparently I'm not because I'm making these mistakes, you know, so we can, we can address that, um, without, uh, at the same time, making me feel bad about my parents or, or my background, um, it, we, we, we can address my mistakes without immediately connecting them to that, you know, and yeah, so and that was always kind of frustrating as well. But at the same time, growing up in, you know, as, as I got older, especially, um, and I, and I began to have friends who, who were using drugs, just that I knew through the, through the school or who I had met, um, you know, out on the basketball court or whatever. Um, and I, and I, and I kind of saw that the, the, the comfort of the joy that they had in those, and I began to think about everything that my parents sacrificed for their addictions and, and, and for uh, money, you know, or, or for um, just the drugs and the partying and, and the, the kind of social status they had within their groups. Um, and, I, and I began to kind of subconsciously think, you know, if they're sacrificing this much for that, maybe it is all that it's cracked up to be. And I was constantly, um, my, my parents, got married in 2007 and got divorced in 2007. And this was long after, you know, I'd been born and everything, but they got married and got divorced three months later. And I only remember because Spider-Man three came out um, the month they got married and I got to see it the month that they got divorced. Um, <laughs> they, uh, and, and so the, they, just w w in, in that kind of that timeline, when and where was that first contact with any kind of substance that would make you pretty much flee from, you know, like kind of that mind fuck, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, like, I don't want to be <laughs> too rough, but no, know, yeah. you know, like, I, so yeah, when I was, um, I think the first time I, I, I drank, I was either 11 or 12 and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but the first time that I came into, and I don't think this is a very big deal either, maybe because of the age it was, um, 
the first time I smoked marijuana, I was, I was about 13 years old. And that, that same year, I also, uh, had my first sexual relationship and I had had, because of my parents, um, you know, them having multiple partners throughout their relationship. And then of course, after they had divorced and all kinds of things that I was exposed to, uh, through that, I had a very, uh, kind of messy, um, perception of, of what adult relationships were supposed to be like. So that relationship actually led to the first time that I, that I had smoked pot. And it's really kind of, to this day, is still kind of actually a fond memory. I was, um, up by the lighthouse in, in the downtown area of my hometown. And, you know, we, we smoked and then we went down to a coffee shop and I got a giant muffin and laid on the floor and ate that giant muffin until they threatened to kick me out. And, and then I, I left. <laughs> and, um, so that was the first experience that, that I personally had had. And then it was, uh, another probably couple months before, um, that person who I was in a relationship with kind of introduced me uh, to more of her social circle. And we were about the same age. I think she was probably 14 or 15 at the time, but all of her friends were 21, 22, kind of around that age. They very quickly uh, took me in. Um, they would go to parties out of town and I would go with them. And I was kind of the, the baby of, of the group and they thought it was adorable. So naturally they would give me all kinds of, uh, you know, they would give me more drinks than any of them were having because they wanted me to have a good time. Um, and they would always make sure that I had had plenty to smoke because they wanted me to have, have fun. And in the midst of this, I wasn't, I mean, I, I had been living with my mom, uh, predominantly throughout that portion of my childhood until I turned, uh, 14 because my dad had been in a recovery center, uh, I think he was still in a recovery center when I had my, when I had my first smoke at the lighthouse. Um, but then he came back to live with my great grandparents who had kind of cared for me growing up at this point, they were old enough that they needed someone to kind of care for them. So he was there to fulfill that role. So I moved in to kind of help because I knew that he was still struggling with drug issues. Um, he was still struggling with a meth addiction and I was worried because of their age that he might take advantage of them either financially or that he might be, you know, making substances in their basement and they might not even know about it. And you were um, aware sure of that, that young, you, you, you know, like yes. you, you felt, yeah. A, yeah. So you felt aware of that, you know, like with, with oh, such I, a, I was told that at that point I, I was completely aware. Yeah. So I, I it, it was, I was probably eight or nine years old when people in my family kind of told me what was going on uh, with my parents. Um, so by the time I was, you know, 14, I, I, had, I moved in uh, with them to kind of, try to hold him accountable. And sure enough, uh, a few months went by before he had a, a live-in girlfriend there and they were drinking and doing drugs. And there was one night where he was so paranoid. Uh, he thought someone was outside coming to get him. I don't know what he was on that night. He was on something, um, probably meth. And he was terrified that they were going to break into the house. And he was searching underneath the furniture and everything for these non-existent people. And my great grandparents were sitting in the living room and it's the middle of the night and he's freaking out and they don't really understand what's going on. And he knocks over, they had this giant plasma like TV, like a big, thick, like fat back, like, like a giant old computer monitor basically on the living room floor. And my dad knocks that over and it almost lands on my great grandma's feet. And so I called, I called the police um, to come pick up my dad at that point because I was worried someone was going to get hurt. And you're and 14, really Josh. You're 14, 14, Joshua. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. 
And so I hear, um, all I really remember after that is hearing my, my grandpa say, uh, you know, that's not my boy. That's not my boy talking about my dad because he didn't, I, I think at this point, my grandpa had a little bit of dementia. Maybe he didn't really understand the situation. He just knew that things were not, were not right. And so from that point on, um, my dad was able to kind of weasel his way out of, uh, going to, going to jail or going to any kind of counseling. But from that point on, I knew it was just kind of, it was just me. Um, you know, but it was only what's terrible. This, this is, this is, uh, where I, I'm not just speaking about my family, but about my own poor choices. It did not take that long after all of that happened for me to start taking advantage of that situation too, because I knew that with it, a dad who was struggling with substance abuse and two grandparents who were essentially unaware, I could sneak out whenever I wanted to, I could, um, ask, ask for money. And, and, that, and which was something that I had never had access to growing up. And suddenly it was a, an available resource. So I could just ask for money and disappear and it wasn't a big deal. Um, so I would go out, shoot, I would be out on the, on the front porch, um, you know, snorting my, uh, my grandfather's medication because I knew that my dad did it. And I thought, man, if he's, if he's getting high and he enjoys this, I'm going to try it too, because this situation sucks and I want to get away from it. And I want people to like me because I haven't, I hadn't really had that up to that point. And, so I would and be in, pity in became, and, pity became a currency. You know, like, yes. it, yeah, Ab absolutely. So, um, that was, that was, I was 14. That was like eighth grade. Um, so that would have been after the, the first experience with, with pot. That was when things were getting kind of intense when I was really spending a lot of time uh, with that new friend group. Um, I, I think there was one time, the first time I went to a party out of town with them, uh, I, I, we went to Walmart and then, <laughs> you know, we had, we had gone to Sonic and we had filled up, um, these giant slushy cups with, well, we got slushies, but then that like poured vodka in them and we're drinking them in Walmart. And the lady who was supposed to be, who I knew the best, who was like 22 or 23, who was supposed to be kind of my caretaker in the situation, um, stole a belt from Walmart. And I thought, okay, this is, I'm already a little bit uncomfortable, but this is kind of funny at the same time. And we got to the party and it was only, you know, a few hours before, um, the person who was supposed to be kind of keeping me safe because I didn't know, uh, most of the people at this party and there were at least, oh, 60 or 70, uh, you know, adults there. And I was the only person under the age of 21 and I was trying to pass for someone who was over the age of 21. It was only a couple of hours before, um, that person and I were, were in her car, um, and I was taken advantage of, and I didn't view it that way at the time. You know, of course I didn't. I was a 14-year-old boy. But why I have to view it that way now is because I was a 14-year-old boy, yeah. you know? Um, so the, my, my relationship with relationships continued to kind of um, deteriorate. I had other similar experiences with older women uh, in my life around the same time, whether it was uh, school-related or there was a, a lady who I had met at a, at a Bible study where things kind of went the same direction. Um, but eventually my uh my my grandpa in november of 2014 that same year um passed away and i you know i i miss him to this day but after after he passed away it was just my grandma in the house and she wanted to move into like an assisted living facility um so over time i 
moved in. I think I moved into my uh, my aunt's house after that. My mom's sister, who has done quite well for herself, all, all things considered. She hasn't gone down kind of the same path that my parents had at the time. Um, she welcomed me into her home, um, <laughs> which uh, I very quickly took advantage of, of that situation as well. Um, I stole money while I was there. I was, my, my new friends lived right down the street. Uh, so I would go to their house, but there was one day where my mom kind of finally, uh, stepped up. And, and at the time I, I didn't understand it. And I thought, why is she just now getting involved? Um, but looking back on it, I'm thankful that she did. I was over at, uh, one of my friend's house and, and we were all, you know, drunk and high and, and hanging out. And, um, my mom came through her front door, uh, kind of st- stormed in and and demanded that I leave. And I thought, I don't even know how she got here or why she's here, but I knew that my, those friends were never going to want to talk to me again. So at that time, I was very upset. Looking back on it now, I'm very thankful. My mom has never had never been a uh, consistent person. Um, so she would kind of go back and forth between wanting to put her foot down and wanting to have nothing to do with um, parental responsibilities. And this was an instance in which I am thankful that she was that she showed up to put her foot down. So at that point, uh, my aunt kicked me out. I moved back into my mom's house and things kind of calmed down for a while. Um, I started focusing a little bit more on, uh, school. My, my brother was kind of struggling with some of the issues that I had at his age where he was kind of mixing in with the wrong crowd, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, my parents were well separated. My dad had a girlfriend who things seemed to be going okay with. Um, my mom, uh, was single, but was for the most part, um, she, she was not as erratic in her drug use as she had been, uh, in the years prior. She was, um, trying to stay sober. I think she was trying to make a change. Um, so things kind of calmed down for probably a a couple of years. Um, or no, I would say about, about, about a year, uh, things kind of calmed down. It was late, late that year, maybe early uh, 2015, um, I met a girl at, uh, the same coffee shop that I had, um, where I'd gone and got that giant muffin a few years prior. Um, her name was Rachel and I was there playing guitar with my friend, John. Um, and at this point I was a pretty normal, I think 14 year old. I had, I had still a lot of uh, psychological issues, but they didn't have a lot of opportunity to come to the forefront the way they had in the past. Um, I wasn't in a relationship and I wasn't really thinking about it that much. So that wasn't an issue. Um, I was still, my ego was still kind of, uh, massive compared to where it should have been. I was, I was still, um, I, I still had a, had a massive craving for, uh, attention and I was doing all that I could to kind of, uh, fill that void. So, uh, Rachel was, had come to see, uh, my friend John and I play guitar at this coffee shop. And afterwards, we connected uh, really well. Um, two months later, uh, she was pregnant, and this was uh, with your kid. Came out of nowhere <laughs> with your with kid. My, with my kid, and, <laughs> and I was, and this was so. This is two years after um, the the lighthouse. So I was fifteen uh, at that point in time. Um, so, so this is all. It's so strange looking back on how quickly. Uh, all of this has gone by when it seems like it's been a much longer life than that, you know? Yeah. Um, but we, her family 
was very supportive, and so was my family, and I was and I was thankful for that. Um, her family was they also uh, she'd also grown up in poverty, um, but not because of substance abuse, just because of uh, circumstantial things that they couldn't control, and then I think a lot of uh, irresponsibility. Um, but it's not something that that, that could, I could really pass pass any kind of judgment on. I mean, they they welcomed me into their home. And I, and I appreciated it and they were supportive of our relationship, but I think all of the, um, all of the damage that had been done to my idea of a healthy relationship kind of had the opportunity to shine through, um, it, now that I was in something committed, something that, you know, from, from our perspective was now supposed to be, uh, like a, a lifelong relationship. Um, there was a lot that, that I, tried to get away with. I was very uh, promiscuous. And I, I, later on in our relationship, I um, wasn't excited about the idea of being a dad. I don't think she was excited most of the time about the idea of being a mom. We really enjoyed a, each other's company. We had a lot of similar interests, but I was pretty terrible to her. I, I was probably uh, verbally and emotionally uh, abusive. There, there were there were a couple of ex-boyfriends that I found out about that she hadn't talked to in years, but I immediately got very um, protective and, and, and would get angry when I found out about things that she had done in the past that had nothing to do with our relationship at that time. But she was committed to, to finding a way to make it work. I think partially because she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to on her own. So eventually we moved in together. Uh, we got an apartment we decided we were going to raise this child together. Um, I started, I was in high school still, of course, and she was about to graduate. Um, I was working part-time at a, at a local diner. I was uh, flipping, flipping burgers, as it were. And she decided that when she graduated, she wanted to go to cosmetology school uh, very quickly. She was upset because she felt like she was playing the stay-at-home mom role after graduation, and she didn't want to do that. I was upset and she was upset because I was never home because I was always either at school or at work. Uh, I had friends at work who would encourage me to, uh, to drink and to smoke weed. So I would do that kind of leisurely secretly, uh, when she wasn't around. Um, eventually she found out about both of those things and, and was very upset, mostly because she was worried that I would get into trouble. Um, because if I got into any kind of legal trouble, it, you know, it could be a big deal now that we were going to have a child. So my daughter was born October of that year of, of 2015. Um, at this point, her mom had graduated a couple months earlier. This is the kind of the, the season of life that we're in. Uh, things kind of continued to get worse and, and, and worse in our relationship until eventually we had a big falling out. Our, our babysitter was actually there. Um, and we were, you know, we were standing in the living room naked, screaming at each other, and our baby, our babysitter was there. So it was, wow. it, it, it was very. Uh, like we had gone to bed, you know, and then our babysitter was to stay the night, sleeping on on the the pullout couch in the apartment. And um, yeah, so, so that How was very embarrassing. How old were you? I was I, I was uh, probably sixteen when when this happened. I would have been sixteen at this point. That's um, that's so crazy. We were I mean, able just to have to, an apartment. Just to imagine, Jeshua, that you know, like you had adult responsibility and you know like that goes way be before that you know like you know like just the handling of 
kind of your dad's recovery fail safe and your grandparents you know like um you know like kind of you know like on their way out um mm -hmm. being cautious about you know like you know like not one not you know like kind of abusing the other and um but at the same time you're like 16 and kind of having the dad responsibility and you haven't you know like you, you, i'm assuming that you haven't handled the drug use at the time or the alcohol use at the time so right that's just you know like i mean you know no wonder that you know like you end up <laughs> boat nude arguing and <laughs> right. it, it was definitely the inevitable conclusion to our uh what felt like a long, but was realistically a pretty short, um, story. Uh, and, and don't, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I love, and I love my daughter uh, now. And I, and I did then at the time I did not know how to be a good partner. I, I still don't, or how to be a good dad. And I don't, I wouldn't say I know how to be a good dad now, but I'm motivated to try and I'm trying to step my game up, you know, every time I get to see her. Um, but at the time after we separated, uh, she moved back in to her parents' house, and I kept the apartment, which was not supposed to happen. Um, she was 18. I was 16. I was only legally allowed to live in that apartment because she was there, because she was an adult legally, and I was not. Yeah. Um, we actually had some – we had had uh, some close friends who had – hooked us up with the apartment, so to speak. And so they, they allowed me to stay there for a little bit longer, but it was, it took almost no time after that event, after, um, you know, even though I knew things weren't going well, I kind of had still consciously planned on us staying together. And somehow she would just put up with my crap endlessly. And I would just put up with uh, hers and en endlessly. Um, and we would somehow find a way to make it work. You know, as unrealistic as that was, that was where my mind was at. So when that was taken away, I, I kind of went off the rails and I, I was still in high school. I was, uh, I turned 17, um, you know, ab about half a month after, after we separated. And so I was a 17 year old with his own apartment and everybody knew it because at this point, everyone had been following the story of Jeshua and Rachel, the teenage couple, because it just isn't that common. Um, and, and, and they were, everyone was so proud of us for finding a way to make it work. And so when we separated, there were a lot of people who disappeared from our lives, but there were a lot of people who were kind of sitting on the sidelines who suddenly came into mind and wanted vultures. to be part of it. Vultures. Um, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So it, it, I had uh, two friends who were, who were both girls um, who celebrated my 17th uh, birthday with me. And uh, they... I came home from work and they had like balloons and a cake and drinks and everything set up at the apartment. And I, I didn't tell them that that day Rachel was supposed to come and pick up her, her belongings. And so she walks in on after, after the party, she walks in on, on this huge mess. There's streamers and balloons and she's just absolutely uh, heartbroken because it's been a, like half a month. And, and, you know, Jessica was out here celebrating, um, you know, drinking, uh, living it up. Uh, he's already forgotten about, about all of this. And I didn't realize that she was going to see that, but I, on some level, I absolutely did think she was going to, and, and sadistically hoped that, that she would, because I wanted, um, in my mindset at the time, I, I wanted her to see, um, well, I, you know, that, that I was doing okay and that, that I was going to have a good time without her, you know, that, that was where my mind was at. So, I, um, 
got very close with those two girls. I'd known one for a long time. I had met one a couple of years ago. Uh, they were really close friends. They were on, they, they were supportive and they tried to be good friends, but they weren't good for me. You know, they, they, they would, they would try to care for me, but it was always in ways that weren't healthy. And, and I ended up at, at different points in time having uh, very, you know, very kind of open r- relationships with, with each of them. Um, like one, one year and then one, the, the kind of the, the following year. And it was all about, um, just for the sake of doing it, just for, just for the fun of it. Um, but, but we started after we had that first birthday party, you know, I got the idea, well, everybody's gone. I have, I, my only responsibilities are work and school. I wasn't even thinking about being a dad anymore. I was like, well, Rachel's taking Allison, you know, she's taking our daughter. What if I just had a party every weekend? So almost immediately, that's what happened. All of my paycheck money was going to drinks and entertainment uh, for people who would come over. Uh, I started, I, I started making um, really bad rap music too, as, as a part of this whole persona that I was trying to put on. And people would li- people would listen to it, and I and I would play it at the parties, and it was and it was just me stroking my ego relentlessly. Um, but and you became quickly, you, came, you you became the uh, the Van Wilder of your neighborhood. Is it Van Wilder? You know, like that party animal. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly that's what it was like, and, and it was it was so terrible, man. Um, it, it over the course of a couple of weeks, it went from yeah, Joshua has parties on Saturdays, and everyone at school was talking about it, to uh, Joshua has parties um, Saturday and Friday and Sunday to everyone's going to Jeshua's house every night of the week. And, and it was insane. I, I lost my job cause I just stopped going cause I was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing this, you know? So I, I, I was jobless. Um, I was still in school, but I was always hung over. So I would just sleep through all my classes. There was one day where I got to school. I was so hung over and tired. I went into the bathroom and laid on the floor for an hour and just got up and walked back to my apartment. Um, And, and it was only a matter of time before those two uh, close friends from early on kind of, you know, they, they kind of faded a, a away as more rambunctious people kind of made, made their way in. People who, um, like there was a guy who would always bring uh, Percocets. There was the French exchange student who would put her cigarettes out on my coasters, and I thought it was adorable. There was uh, the girl who would... Um, sit on my lap while I played poker at three in the morning with, with my friend Andrew and she, and she would let me, you know, do stuff to her while we were playing poker. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And looking back on it, I'm like, well, why? That's so ridiculous. Yeah. The whole situation was so far fetched from uh, any kind of healthy or sustainable uh, reality. And looking back on it now, the amount of people that got hurt, you know, that, that, um, that probably now feel, like they were manipulated or, or, or taken advantage of or wronged in some way um, has to be like in, in the dozens, but it's terrible. Um, so that, that was, that, that had to come to an end eventually. And I, and I knew that I think in, in the midst of it, but I wasn't willing to be the one to, to bring it to an end. You know, um, I thought it was great. I, I had a, 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 a girl who was a sophomore who would bring me cupcakes every day at school because she thought my parties were cool. Um, And I, I feel bad even, even now looking back on it, you know, sometimes I get uh, reminiscent of, about some of the things that went on, even, even though I know that it was a, that it was a dark time in my, in my life. You know, I was with the Percocet situation to kind of revisit that. 
I, I have a very addictive personality, so I very quickly, uh, I wouldn't say that I became dependent on them, but I was taking them every day. So I wouldn't have known if I wasn't dependent on them because I was always taking them. So yeah. I, might, I may have been, you know. Um, I had a coworker. He wasn't my coworker anymore now that I didn't have a job, but he, his name was TJ. And sometimes he would come over uh, and he would drink. He didn't do anything else, but he would drink a lot. Um, and one night he asked if he could just crash on my couch. He had had kind of a rough breakup with his girlfriend, needed a place to stay. I think he was about 26. And I told him, yeah, absolutely. You can sleep on my couch. It's okay. He got there, spilled barbecue sauce all over my floor. I was pissed about the barbecue sauce because I could never get it all the way up. Um, but the, the next, uh, morning, um, he, I got a call from the land, like the, not the landlord, but the manager who lived in the same hall as me, who had already kind of received multiple complaints about the noise that was coming from this apartment every night. Uh, and it turns out good old TJ had woken up in the middle of the night, gone out into the hallway, walked into my neighbor's apartment and fallen asleep on their couch. Wow. So I was evicted pretty much immediately. Um, I didn't have anywhere to go. So I called my mom and I kind of um, explained not everything that had happened, but I kind of gave her the rundown, you know, on, on, on where I'd been at, kind of the, the things that I'd been doing during all of this. I, I know I didn't, didn't touch on this, but during, uh, I would say that from the time that Rachel and I split up, onward, I got very involved in, in selling drugs to um, both the, the Percocet. Um, I think I, I was selling Xanax at one point. There was this girl who I was, who I had a thing with, who was very into, into Xanax. So she would kind of sell that and I, I would buy it and, and sell it or give it to her. And then she would sell it and she would keep part of the, the, uh, the money. And, and so that was the, you know, the basis of our uh, romantic relationship. I guess was there was um, there a time, Joshua, where, you know, like after one of those hangovers that started to um, kind of that that seed, that little seed or breach of of light of, you know, like thinking about this is not a life, you know, like this can't be, you know, like do you have any memories of waking up one morning and, you know, like looking at, you know, like that that mess <laughs> that freaking mess that that is your apartment and just thinking you know like that that can't last you know like that that that's not that's not a sustainable living not until i left not until i was evicted from the apartment okay. did i realize the reality of what had happened around me the fact that all of my old friends who i had known for years who genuinely cared about me were gone um all of my family was essentially gone at this point. My grandma, my great grandmother had passed away too. Um, I, no one was talking to me. Uh, the t I had a couple of teachers who, when I was younger had tried to mentor me and they had pretty much, um, lost hope, you know, because everybody knew what was going on. So when I moved back into my mom's house, I wouldn't say that I had like the, um, the light that started to shine through. Um, but there was an experience I had at my mom's where, where something very similar happened. But until, until I got to that point, um, I was, I kind of continued everything that I had been doing on a smaller scale at my mom's house. I, I lived in the basement for a while. So instead of having parties, I would, I would just have people over and it was the same kind of thing. Uh, cause it was now, you know, to, to put it bluntly, 
the worst because it was in a, in a basement. Um, and then I was, and then eventually the basement I realized was terrible and damp and dark. So I moved up to the, the back porch. So I was living on the back porch for a while and I was still, uh, selling drugs, but not having the party still, um, you know, having terrible relationships, um, but not, uh, having a bunch of people over at, at one time. Um, there was one night where I laid down and I was high and I, and I couldn't sleep. And so, so this is so strange to talk about. I've only, I've only ever talked about it with a couple of people. It was, it was a very, um, impactful experience. And I, I don't know what I really think of it actually. Um, but I was laying in bed and I thought I saw someone or something moving, um, across the room. And I, I was terrified. Like I was completely out of it mentally, you know? Um, so, so I, I was terrified of everything anyways, but I, I was terrified uh, of, of this figure or, or whatever. Um, and so I would thought, okay, I'm going to lay as still as possible and close my eyes and maybe it'll go away. Uh, when I was a child, I, I would have, um, not nightmares, but I would lay in what wake in bed and kind of see shapes around the room and imagine that something was coming after me. Or, um, there was even a time where I was a teenager and I don't know what it was, but I had some, I, I had some like, um, I saw some scary picture of a SpongeBob on the internet and I, and I imagined there was a manifestation of the SpongeBob in my bedroom coming to, coming to get me uh, <laughs> that, that happened in like middle school. Um, but this was like a similar experience. Um, so I, I opened my eyes and you know, whatever I thought I saw uh, w- was closer. And so I, I closed my eyes again, tried to lay still and I was very nervous. You know, I, I was sweating it was probably three in the morning and I opened my eyes again and, and it was right over me. And at this point I knew that I, I, I didn't, wasn't really seeing anything. I, I just kind of, um, it was more like there was something that I needed to see. And what instantly flashed through my mind was everyone that I had ever hurt leading up to that moment. It, it wasn't everything that I had ever done. It wasn't um, kind of the good and the bad um, the things that I wish that I felt bad about and the things that I do feel bad about that I've kind of been recounting for the past several minutes. It was just the faces of every person that I'd hurt along the way, everyone that I had stolen from. Um, I didn't think about the people who had stolen from me. Um, it was every, everyone that I had uh, cheated on or lied to uh, or uh, been a negative influence on or, or just wronged in general. And it was still a while after that, that experience um, before I started to make a change in, in my life. Um, but that, whatever happened that night, um, changed me internally dramatically. It took a while for, for my life on the outside to catch up. And in some ways it still is. Some, there are still a lot of ways in which I fall short. Um, but after that night, um, there was just, there was a dramatic change in, in my, in my perception of the world and, and of myself. Um, so I started uh, reconnecting with one of the teachers who had that I, who had kind of taken me under his wing when I was younger, and who had done a lot for uh, Rachel and I when we were together. And uh, he invited me over to his house for dinner. He invited me out to have coffee with him. So I kind of explained to him uh, just about everything that I've explained, um, you know, to, today on the, on the podcast, omitting some details. But there was so much that I just needed to share with someone who wasn't there. Um, and, and, and it was, it was incredible. Um, he, I think there was a lot that he knew about. There was a lot that he wasn't expecting. 
um, but he had kind of taken me from that moment on uh, under his wing in kind of a, a mentor-mentee relationship. And that's been really important and influential throughout uh, the rest of my life. And since then, because my dad had been kind of absent in that role growing up, since then I've kind of taken a couple of other um, older men in my life to be to be mentors um, as, as well. In particular, I have one family friend who has just provided uh, for me and my brother um, in, in numerous ways. But that guidance, that mentorship, was absolutely fundamental to not making that change because I don't know what made that change, but fundamental to staying at least somewhat consistent with the principles that resulted from the change or that had manifested themselves inside of me and it needed to be brought out uh, into reality. So that was probably the, the, the end of 20, uh, or not even the end of 2017, probably Actually, yeah, probably the end of 2017, the, the beginning of 2018, um, when all of that happened. Um, so now I am, uh, I'm in college, you know, I, I, I took, um, two, I did two years at a community college because it was the more financially viable option. Um, I still have a very, I think, unhealthy relationship, uh, with, with, with women. Um, I'm not, at this point, what I do with that is just try to improve and for the most part, avoid relationships until I know that I'm better. Um, I, tr- I have been trying to improve my relationship with my daughter. I have her every other weekend and that's not a lot. It's four days a week. So I just try to make the most of those times. I have an unhealthy relationship with money still, I would say. Part of that is not having enough of it growing up. And part of it is the ways in which I was earning it um, in adolescence. And it's very easy for me to be become greedy. So I try to be very intentional about focusing on uh, improving the community and, and doing things that were, you know, spending my time in ways in which I'm not earning any money, but I'm still producing something or doing something for somebody. Um, and the whole reason I'm going into, uh, you know, I'm, the whole reason I'm going for a teaching degree now is because of the mentor that I had found in my, my close friend now, Daniel. Um, who had kind of taken me under his wing after I graduated high school and there had been kind of a positive influence, uh, at least when I was not completely gone. You and know, they were pretty um, much your, along the way. They were pretty much your most solid role models during that old, Absolutely. you know, like that old, that old story pretty much. Yes, definitely. And, you know, there are still times, I, the podcast is called Cold Turkey. There are still times where I smoke weed. I have, I, I still know people that do. Every now and then, I end up in the same context as them, and it happens. Yeah, and, and I, I'm trying to do it less, but my life is not what it was. You know, exactly. And and for me, you know, like it's it's um, it's that 180 that you made of your life that interests me. Like the 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 um, you know, like I've had I've had guests that you know, like told me that you know, like just bearing the idea of you know like cutting everything was almost like unbearable you know like <laughs> you know right. like so so and um it's funny that you mentioned that you know like one one of my guests um a guy called gab um actually wrote me a few days later saying you know like because during the podcast he was telling me that he was still having a couple of drink you know a couple of glass of wine for example you know like, and um And a few days later, he actually wrote me, you know, like he was like, you know what, Alex, you know, like I decided to cut a bit on, you know, like the wine as well, you know, like, so <clears throat> I totally understand that, you know, like I totally understand that, you know, like the, the, the idea of, um, 
you know, like it's, it's, and we had that conversation beforehand, you know, like the, it's where we come from, you know, like, so it's either, um, realizing the progress you made in your own life. And this is completely, you're definitely a cold Turkey, you know, like where you know, like you, you, you were the Van Wilder of your own neighborhood and became a, a responsible active in your community. Um, you know, like awaken adult, young adult. And, you know, like this is great example of, you know, like, like what, what I expect of my guests and the podcast, you know? So. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. It's been a pleasure to kind of uh, recount, you know, th th things with you and kind of work through things. Like one of the, one of the main things that I mentioned this earlier is just that it is amazing how much life happens so fast. Yep. Absolutely. And, and it's really easy to kind of just let it drag you along. And it, you know, like, it's funny, you know, like I, I, I made the kind of the analogy or the image of, you know, like what, what, what I see my podcast is, you know, like as kind of a car ride where, you know, like it, it is your own car and your own ride. And, you know, like I, I kind of jump on board with you and as a passenger, I, I will ask my question and all that. Your ride is, that was not a long ride, you know, like you, you've got like fourfold at least of living to still go and right and and but you 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 you, you know, kind you the the way your life has driven your path has decided to say hey let's have all that <laughs> excuse my french but let's all all that those fucked up events take place before he's 19 then he's going to yes. be good. Well, trust me, I, I feel very old sometimes. I do. For sure. For better or worse, I feel very old. <laughs> you actually made a move that even a mature 45-year-old that I am would take, you know, like would have a, it, it would take a, a huge load on my own shoulder. And, you know, like my own parents are actually growing older and um, I don't have a, a tenth of responsibility against them where you had, you know, like, again, you know, like 10 times those responsibilities for your own parents at 13 and 12 and 10, you know? So it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible story, but at the same time, I'm, I admire your, your courage, your resilience. I mean, it is, um, you know, cause you know, like when I said, you know, like earlier, pity can become a currency. You could have driven, right. you could have driven and served that currency for a good while. You know, like having all these folks, you know, like manipulated by how oh, poor you you're doing, and um, but you did decided not to, which is all you know, like all great for you. You know, fantastic. it's hard when you when you um, encounter. I think encountering more responsibility than seems fair, no matter what age you are. When there's a lot to, to, when there's a heavy burden in life and almost everybody goes through a season where there's at least one or a few really heavy burdens. Uh, it makes you more able to handle those responsibilities in the future and, and even smaller ones, of course, but it also has the potential to make you not want to handle responsibilities. If, if something really terrible happens, I think the natural instinct for a lot of people, including myself, um, is to want to shut down and, and, and neglect and to uh, focus on other things or, or, or to kind of uh, serve my, myself 
rather than accept um, you know the the responsibilities that I've been given. They kind of keep running away from them. <laughs> but, but at the same time, Joshua, you're <laughs> you're almost explaining me what a midlife crisis is for an 18 year old. <laughs> <laughs> I had my I had a mid youth crisis. <laughs> exactly. You know, like it, it is. You, you just explained. You know, like almost word by word, what people are explaining as a midlife crisis, and it it it. For me, it makes total sense. You know, like you, you've you've gone through so much stuff that at 20, you turn around and you're like, well, you know, like, I, can I can I do something for me at last? You know, <laughs> you, know right. you know, it's it's just nuts, you know. And um, and at the same time, you know, like those were all mechanisms, uh, defense mechanisms, right? You know, like you 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 sometimes you know, like when you can't bear. Um, The reality of things, you know, like the the, the mm-hmm. quickest path to escape is, you know, through use, um, and you know that's that was pretty much your own defense mechanism. I, yeah, I think on top of that, there, there was the uh, the social escape um, because the people who were around me when I was when I was partying and selling drugs only knew that part of me. They didn't know about all of my issues. You know, they didn't know what everything that had led up to that moment. So I could kind of escape from the realities of life and the things that I was neglecting and kind of just pretend that that's, that's all that I was, you know, and, yeah. and I, all that I was, was this, um, this post that, you know, and, and if that's all they saw of me, that was all I wanted them to see of me. So how is everyone doing, you know, like, uh, your brother, your mom, your dad? Oh, dude, things, things are going you know, really quite well now. My, my mom, uh, she had to go to a treatment center uh, several months ago, um, but she is doing well now. I think she was kind of off and on doing okay. Um, she, I have a baby sister who's one now, just turned one year old. Uh, the dad is not in the picture, um, but it's probably for the best. Okay. Uh, my, so my mom is really focused on just trying to be a good mom right now. I think that she feels that she's kind of been given um, a chance to do things differently. Not that everything was terrible, but, but a chance to do things differently. And I'm excited to see how she raises uh, my new sister. My brother is a, I think he's a junior in high school now. Um, I know that last year, my, uh, my friend Daniel actually had him in class and would kind of keep me updated on his progress. Um, he teaches algebra and my brother is like me, he's terrible at algebra. So it, it was always fun to hear how he was doing. But I think he is kind of going through the um, too cool for just about everything phase, which is okay. I think he's got I think he's got a good moral compass, something that I very much lacked at that point in time. I didn't I didn't think that I was, you know, I didn't really think I was all that. I just kind of pretended, but I didn't have any kind of moral backbone. I think he has a lot of that, so that's good. My dad is has been struggling a lot the past few years, um, but I think that. Uh, He, he lives, he had moved to St. Charles, which is near St. Louis, so about two hours away a while back. And now he lives in a different town um, that's about an hour and a half away. And he is one of those people who always needs to be in a relationship. So every time I talk to him, he's got a different girlfriend. Um, but they've become uh, better girlfriends than the ones that I would meet as a child. So at least uh, that's good. I think he's, he's kind of uh, become a bit more responsible as well. And he is the one who would, 
um, reveal things to me about my childhood that I didn't realize previously. My mom hasn't really done that, but my dad would always ask me, Hey, do you remember this? And I would say, no. And then my, you know, once he told me, I'd say, why did you tell me that? I didn't really want to remember that. But I think over time, conversations like that have been good, uh, for our relationship. Um, Allison, my daughter will be four this October, which is crazy. Um, her favorite thing right now is saying, uh, did you not know that? So she'll tell me, you know, she could tell me the sky's blue and then say, did you not know that dad? Uh, which is <laughs> hilarious and aggravating at the same time. Um, her and mom she has a, a, it makes me realize Joshua, sorry, ahead. but you know, like she has a, a, a hand that's younger than her. Yes, I know. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, the whole family dynamic is all, is all mixed up now. Um, <laughs> It, 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 it's ridiculous, but my, uh, and then Allison's mom, uh, we don't, we don't talk a lot naturally. Um, but she is a nurse now. So she has been doing uh, much better for herself than I think she would have been had we stayed together. And she, uh, kind of witnessed, you know, the, the spiral that I went down that year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for how things have been going. I, I've, um, I've had lots of really great opportunities. I've, I've met lots of really cool people. I've started a couple of, um, a couple of like lo local uh, community building or, or local business type projects in, in town and made some really uh, meaningful connections. And I, I really feel now um, like someone who's, who's contributing to, to, to what, to the contributing to the space around me within what life has, has given me to work with rather than just looking at what life has given me saying, you know what, it's not enough. I'm out of here and then just destroying everything in sight, including myself. Well, Joshua, you know, like it was a, a, a pleasure and an honor to get to know you. Uh, you know, like I'm always, you know, like kind of uh, humbly um, happy and humbled by the fact that people are, are willing to share their life story. Uh, I'm always surprised, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I started that project with, You know, like the idea in mind that um, there were pretty much two camps to those stories. You know, like you had those that were uh, hyper polished, the namaste type, you know, like really like too, too clean and sober for my own mm -hmm. liking. And on the other end of the spectrum, those that were super niche in fraternity and, you know, like kind of the anonymous groups and all that, you know, like which... Could be some folks' cup of tea, but you know, like um, not necessarily mine as you know either. So, uh, and in Quebec, they had, they were nothing of that sort. Um, and so, right, it it was really kind of a pretty much like a, a midnight flash of wow. Okay, I like that title. I like cold turkey. I, I like what it what it represents. I like what people can you know, like the meaning you can pull from that expression. You know, like you hear that from someone that stopped smoking, but I can apply that to pretty much anyone's flipping their life around. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm, who am I to, you know, like reach out and, you know, like you know, it just takes like an ounce of courage, but it takes you guys gallons to actually share with me. So, um, you know, I, I think that I, I appreciate the opportunity to share. I think that every time, I mean, it, it gives, I think when people share their story, it gives them an opportunity to reflect Uh, and, 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 you know, more carefully view uh, where they're at now. Like there are probably a million un unthought thoughts and unspoken words, um, you know, undone deeds that 
that if I didn't take time to reflect on the consequences that I've already dealt with throughout my life, uh, I might do or say tomorrow, you know? Um, so I think the reflection aspect of it is really important. And I think that that's a big reason why people in, enjoy sharing their stories. Not everybody, but I think that, I think that a lot, a lot of people, uh, do. And, and I'll be, I'll gladly tell my folks that when I see your book release, I'll gladly tell my folks that I was the first one to do the podcast with, you know, so, you know, like, I, thank you. <laughs> so just, it's going gonna, gonna to be called, it has a title. Yeah. Don't spike your milk. <laughs> there was one morning where I woke up and there was vodka in my milk and I was upset. So you're ready. <laughs> you're ready. ready. I've got the title. That's all you need, right? Yeah, that's it. You know, like the tagline, <laughs> the tagline and titles. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone else can do the rest of it. I'll Ex just transcribe the podcast episode. <laughs> exactly. You got it. You know, like I'll send you the, uh, I'll send you the MP3 again, Josh, uh, Joshua. Thanks a lot. You know, like the uh, mail time. Thank you. And, uh, hope, hope, hope you the best, you know, like, uh, hope the best for you. And, uh, Let's keep in touch. You know, like I, I'll be, you know, like more than happy to uh, follow up in a year or two just to see how you're doing and, you know, like how's your uh, your teaching and your, you know, like the, the those class that's going to have the privilege to have you as a teacher, will be, how are they doing? Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It was a blast. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs>